what I always give as feedback to people is whenever you're thinking about transitioning from expertise to teaching that expertise to other people is always ask yourself this question, which is how do I communicate my ideas to the person I used to be? Hmm. Not the person I am today, but the person I used to. It's easy for me to think, right? Oh yeah, you could totally start a YouTube channel. Just post, why are you struggling with that? That's not what a good teacher does. A good teacher stops for a second and says, what about the person I used to be? What about the Brendan who was really nervous about communicating in general? What about the Brendan who was nervous about pressing record the first time? That's who we're speaking to on a podcast. That's who we're speaking to in our message. And when we start to focus on who we used to be, it's a lot easier to be a lot more empathetic, which you're, of course, incredible at yourself, right? You. And share those ideas with the world. Yo, Ryan Hartley here, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome back to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring human beings. This is episode 152. Thank you for taking time out of your day. If this is the first time that you've joined us, thank you for taking the time and spending it with us. I hope that our time together leaves you better in some way. I have had 152 great conversations with people that are showing up in this world with courage, that are bringing their hard work to the world. Life hasn't always been easy, but these people have absolutely turned pain into purpose and been a great example of what is possible. So please do go back and check out some of the incredible conversations that we've had on the podcast. Uh, you can even, if you're a watcher, go and watch them on, on YouTube. These interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. I'm Ryan Hartley. I founded Always Better Than Yesterday nearly five years ago. And I absolutely love bringing like-hearted human beings together. We usually hang out over on Facebook. Come and join us if you're not already part of our worldwide community. We are Always Better Than Yesterday. Search that on Facebook. Come and join us. And come as you are, and hopefully it's a little space on the internet that you can come and get what you need, some inspiration, some connection with some great human beings, and leave a little bit better. I think the thing I love most about our community is the the life-giving connections that happen beyond the, the community itself. It's been incredible to see friends of ours meet in their own native countries. We've had a couple of friends connect through our community and then go meet up in person in um, in Sweden, in California, in Colorado, in Wales, in England. There's been so many um, amazing, amazing connections made, even in Australia. And I can't believe I just said Wales in England. Sorry if I've just offended <laughs> any of our Welsh listeners because Wales is, of course, a country in its own right. Um, here we go, episode 152. It's with Brendan Kumurasami. Brendan is the founder of Master Talk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs. And he, the essence of what he does is he helps people become the top 1% of communicators in their industry. His YouTube channel is very popular. It is great. I've spent some time there myself. I love the, the great way with which Brendan has mastered his own talk. 
It is one thing from being exceptional at what you do. It is another thing about helping other human beings be exceptional at it too. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Episode 152 with Brendan Kumurasamy. Enjoy, my friends. Brendan, welcome to Always Better Yesterday podcast. How are you, my friend? Very good, Ryan. How about yourself? Very good. We've been connected a little while, and I'm really glad that we get to have this conversation today of all days. Likewise, brother. I understand. So um, I know that you're in the in the communications, in, in the business of helping people be better communicators, and I and I understand that this journey started back in school uh, doing things called case competitions mate tell me tell me what what a a young Brendan was doing doing case competitions yeah great question to start man case competitions think of it like professional sports but for nerds so other guys (laughs) and it's 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 another way you know it's funny when I started doing podcasts and I was explaining what a case competition is yeah I was I was always met with a question mark people would look at me and say a what? Yeah. What type of competition? So think about like professional sports for Norse. Well, the guys my age were doing rugby or cricket or footy or anything else. <laughs> I was doing presentations professionally. So for three, four years while I was in university, I would present presentations to executives mm-hmm. in competition settings. We would compete against other students. And that was my, my obsession. That was my passion. That's what I love to do. Mm-hmm. But what I accidentally got good at was coaching other people on mm-hmm. how to speak too. Because as students were entering the case competition program, Ryan, they needed a, somebody to help them speak. And of course, I was doing it for free because we couldn't afford a speech coach back then. And that's what sparked the idea for what I do today. I love that. One of the concepts I share um, with people through Always Better Yesterday is the idea that practice makes progress. And and I know that, you know, you're talking about being testament to that. You'll talk about, you know, what we, what we, do consistently you know you become what you practice how's that been for you how how do you kind of resonate with that i completely agree with that in the sense that you know a lot of my success came from doing the same thing over and over again so from mm-hmm. the ages of 19 all the way up to 22 i presented it over 400 times i want people to get that number straight not four times mm-hmm. not 40 times i was presenting almost every day and I was coaching people at night. So usually my day was, I know it sounds a bit weird for a university student, (laughs) but I was spending the morning presenting, practicing for my own competition because I was competing as well. And then in the evenings, I would go to the accounting team, the business team, the strategy team, and I would start coaching them and say, hey, we need to change this week. And I would do that until 11 Mm -hmm. p.m., Mm. midnight, almost every single day. So I completely agree. I love that. And, you know, and this is... um... This is the reality behind someone who, you know, I guess Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours, you know, and it's, it is amazing. And I guess, how do you then reflect back on, you know, how do you, because it's one thing to know how to be a great communicator yourself, but to teach, to coach someone other. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think simplicity, I think when we're able to bring something back to simplicity and, that's when we know we've really mastered it ourselves. And for you, how, where do you start? How do you help someone be in that top 1%? Excellent point there, Ryan. So let me elaborate on that because it's absolutely correct. It's one thing to communicate really well, but it's a very different skill to teach it to somebody else. I mean, think Mm -hmm. about it. 
most great communicators are not communication coaches. They're mm. executives in big companies, they're presidents, they're prime ministers, they have higher positions in society, same thing in the nonprofit space, they might be an executive there, but they're not necessarily coaches. Mm. And what I always give as feedback to people is whenever you're thinking about transitioning from expertise to teaching that expertise to other people, is always ask yourself this question, which is, how do I communicate my ideas to the person I used to be? Hmm. Not the person I am today, but the person I used to. It's easy for me to think, right? Oh, yeah, you could totally start a YouTube channel. Just post. Why are you struggling with that? That's not what a good teacher does. Hmm. A good teacher stops for a second and says, what about the person I used to be? What about the Brendan who was really nervous about communicating in general? What about the Hmm. Brendan who was nervous about pressing record the first time? That's who we're speaking to in a podcast. That's who we're speaking to in our message. And when we start to focus on who we used to be, it's a lot easier to be a lot more empathetic, which you're, of course, incredible at yourself, right? And share those ideas with the world. Very kind of you to say. I am, you know, I've been in positions where I think presentations have just been my life through corporate world. You know, my role was as head of performance was to try and communicate something that was quite complex to uh, executives who didn't need to know the complexities. They just needed to know, do I need to worry? Do I not? Or should I do something? Should I not? And um, there were many times when I would give a confident external appearance and yet underneath it might be that kind of swan and and nerves and how do you coach confidence Hmm. so for me at the end of the day there's two key areas to confidence right one is the one we all know practice competence leads to confidence as we do something more and more is the general we all know but the other piece that is not as well understood is a belief system Hmm. what are you actually fighting for so here's an analogy to help us think this through. Let's say there's a boxing match. Right on one side of the ring is the fear, the anxiety, the stress around communication. And the other side of the ring is the message. So the fear of communication, the anxiety around it will never go away. Even when you're really good at communication, you've done a lot of people are much better than I am, right? Even if you have that anxiety, it'll always be there. But as long as your message gets the knockout punch, you'll always be successful. So it's not about eliminating the fear, eliminating Mm. the anxiety, but rather saying, is my message more important? Now, I'll give you a personal example. I started MasterTalk when I was 22, right? I coach clients today that have worked in their companies longer than I've been alive. (laughs) Okay, so that's definitely very nerve wracking. I'm sure some of people would listen to this and go, oh, wow, that's really impressive. Yeah, not really. I was really scared. So what made me press record? It wasn't for those executives, though I love them very much. Mm. It was for the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford me. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I press record, because who does she have to rely on on YouTube? Mm. I was the only person in their 20s creating communication information. So if I don't do it, who else will? That's why. I pressed record, not because the fear didn't exist, but because I had to build the confidence for her and the message always wins in the end. Mm, I love that. That's powerful. Um, You talked about uh, empathy a minute ago. You said the word word empathy. And the one thing I've always observed speakers get a little bit wrong is they almost focus so much on what they have to say that they forget what the audience needs to hear. How does how does one develop 
an empathy, you know, for their audience and their, for their communication. And I'm sure you're an expert on this topic as well, but I'll definitely give my part. I'm to always this. learning, my friend, always <laughs> learning. And it's funny how you're the one asking me that question. I was like, I should probably be learning from this guy, not the other way around. But the way I see empathy is here's kind of a visual to help us understand this. So here's what most speakers do to your point, which I completely agree with. Here's what I have to say. Here's who I am. And here's why I'm the most important person here. Not the right approach. Whereas the, my mental model, even if that's not what I do physically, the mental model in which I approach it is when I share an idea, let's say there's a bunch of teenagers in an audience or executives in an audience. My mindset is always, whenever I say something, I'm running off the stage directly to the audience where I'm going, how's that resonating with you? Does that make sense? So if they do this, like, I don't really get it. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast, I'm making a face like, oh my God, I'm shocked. Yeah. Then I know there's something wrong. But I do that with every sentence that comes out of my mouth. Every time I communicate an idea, I'm always auditing what I'm saying for the other people. So here's an easy strategy to be more empathetic because it is something that can be learned. And it's what you teach. It's asking the right questions. Yeah. I push this a bit further to make this more visual for people is have dinner, like actual dinner with the people you want to serve and mm -hmm. ask them questions like that you can write down. Number one is if you were in my shoes, how would you communicate my ideas? Mm -hmm. If you were to explain what I was doing or my topic to somebody else, how would you explain it? So if they're not saying exactly what you want them to take away, that means there's something wrong with how you communicated it. Mm. And number three is simply, if you had to change, if you had to change one thing about the way I communicated my message, whether it's on this podcast or whether it's mm. on a stage, mm. what would you change and why? And this is a question yeah. I got from Tim Ferriss, and it forces individuals to give you negative feedback. Mm. I love that. And, you know, it's testament to your mastery of this topic because you mid flight without even thinking had an empathy for our audience because you're sat here as a human being talking to me, but your empathy realized that our audience is, is listening and they can't see you. And without even hesitating, you've gone for those that are listening, I'm displaying. And, and I just want people to recognize and pick up on that's kind of what empathy in flight looks like. It's the realizing who is the real recipient of this message right here, mm. right now. And it's thinking beyond this moment where it's actually just me and you on a screen, me and you in this call. And I, yeah, that was a really cool moment. I like that. I um, I was enjoying watching some of your videos and um, uh, some of your uh, daily practices, the things that you, you talk about, um, <laughs> forced silence. I have playfully used forced silence in team meetings before, and I can guarantee you it will always leave feeling someone un uncomfortable to kind of fill the silence. But how do you use forced silences um, as a way of improving the way that you communicate? Absolutely. And, and another way to, to rephrase forced silences as well, if that sounds a bit too aggressive for people, mm -hmm. force, you're forcing me to silence myself, is, is the endless gaze, right? Mm -hmm. Where how long are you able to keep that pause? So why is it so effective? The reason it's effective is it forces you to get better at pausing. So that when you go back to communicating a message in a conversation like this, you're not just going, 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 going and communicating an idea. You're going, okay, here's my point. Here's the next point. Make sure this lands, make sure that lands. So what you're doing is you're improving your muscle. It's kind of like going to the gym. You're improving your muscle at how to communicate an idea 
without going through it too quickly. So that when you go back to the conversation, you execute it much more effectively and efficiently so that it impacts more lives. Mm, that's really powerful. And I know that you, um, in, in the same video, you're talking about random word exercises. And this is like, again, it's just testament to the muscle that you can continually build. And talk to us about what the random word exercises and how can one start to practice that on the day to day? Of course, I'm happy to demonstrate if you'd like, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, but, go but, ahead. Of course. And, and, but the key is, and I'll have you give me a word after this, is the reason the random word exercise is so powerful is all you have to do is you pick a random word, light bulb, basement, uh, stairs, really any word that comes to mind. And what you do is you create presentation out of thin air. So the number one reflex that people usually have is why would I do this? Why is that important? I don't do this in the real world. And that's the point. When you do the harder thing, when you go back to subjects that you have a lot of knowledge on, podcast, kind of like your hundredth episode is a lot better than your first one, right? Because you're doing it over and over again. When you go back to the easier thing, which is the real world, life becomes a lot easier. Another way of thinking about this is if I can talk about avocados, well, if somebody asked me about a question I public speak, I could probably answer it. And that's the mindset shift that happens as well, especially, especially if you're a corporate executive, if you're a thought leader, if you're a speaker, it'll really help you share your message in a way that's a lot less stressful. Mm, I love that. So I'm going to give you a word, am I? You, you want me to give you a random word? Yeah, just don't give me any UK slang or else I won't yeah, understand yeah. <laughs> So we have a friend in common in Bob Berg. Bob's been a guest of ours a couple of times and part of his community. So I'm going to use the word giver. Sure. As Tony Robbins says, the secret to living is giving. When you give someone, your energy, your time, your money, the magic it creates is indescribable. I remember the first time that Tony Robbins talked about this quote. He said this, when I was a young boy and we couldn't afford to eat, a stranger knocked on his door one day and just gave him Thanksgiving dinner because it was an important celebration. And Tony never understood. Why did that stranger give us the food? He doesn't know who we are. And yet he still chooses to give. And that completely changed the trajectory of his life where he said, because of that one stranger, I want to help millions of people across the world gain access to that food. And that is the power of giving. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your pockets and your bank account. It doesn't matter how expensive the cars that you drive are. But if you're not contributing to the people around you, you don't leave others feeling a sense of saying this person is someone amazing, someone who contributes amazingly well. So the only message that is left to hear is this. If you want to master the art of living, all you got to do is give. You don't need to give $100,000. Just give what you can, and it'll come back to you in ways that you wouldn't ever expect. Ooh, that was... <laughs> There you go. That is what it means to master the art of storytelling, my friend. That was a that was a pleasure to experience. That oh, was amazing. I mean, I got lucky. You gave me a pretty easy word. I mean, usually people give me cheese or something. I got well, go, okay. I honestly, I have a complete faith and confidence that you'd have you'd have got something beautiful out of cheese. I'm telling you. <laughs> but but here's the thing: like, why do we spend the time practicing for the ambiguous for the random for the unforeseen like how can that help us as communicators 
Absolutely. For, for me, what I've found from coaching people, Ryan, is the mindset block is what stops us from the communication. So there's a question I always ask people whenever I do the random word exercise, whenever I do the forced silence drill at the endless gaze. Mm-hmm. And the question is always, what else is possible with your mm-hmm. communication skills? So let's say somebody just hears the random word exercise, first reflex, I can't do that. Come on, if Ryan gave me uh, you know, a sh- snail, how am I supposed to present that? But then you do it and then you get better at it. And then I ask a question, what else is possible? Then you do the next drill. Mm-hmm. And then the question comes up again, what else is possible? And eventually you ask that question enough times where you go, oh, well, anything's possible. I can be an exceptional communicator too. And that's what the ambiguous, that's what the vague, that's what the abstract allows us to do is it helps us understand that if we master the harder thing, the challenges around communication, that would never really happen in the real world. It gives us that sense of confidence mm that a green juice every morning just can't get, right? It's that, it's that confidence to say, wait a second. The first time I did a podcast episode is really stressful. Okay, somebody's asking me where the fear of communication comes from. I kind of don't know. So I got to figure some stuff out on the mm-hmm. spot. Whereas when it's the 400th time, the 200th time that somebody's asking you the same question, when you've done the random word exercise, not a million times, mm-hmm. maybe a few hundred, you do it five times a day. You'll have it right. You have that confidence that money just can't buy. Yeah, I hear you. It's that it's that firm foundation, isn't it? And yeah, I'm loving this conversation. And likewise. And, and what we're really talking about is being able to perform under pressure, because um, I think one of the the greatest human fears is public speaking. It's is so much so more more than than death, isn't it? I think the fear of public speaking and. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to overcome that that fight or flight response and being calm. Are there things that you'll maybe do um, beyond the mindset in the in, whether it would be in your body or or the things you say to yourself? Like how do you how how would you prepare yourself for a TEDx in five minutes time if it was just uh, if it was just thrown on you? Uh, I would probably ask myself why in the world is Ted calling me five minutes before the first. <laughs> that's the other thing, but. But to your question, there's definitely more to mindset. Absolutely. So, so let's start with the elephant in the room. Why are most of us scared of communication? Why are we fearful of the end? Mm-hmm. And the answer makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Where have we given most of our presentations? Generally speaking, two key places. School. We're in high school together. Somebody's telling us to do some history presentation. And then later at work, when we're in the corporate world, for many of us, or some job that you take on after Mm -hmm. your studies, you start to do presentations for work. So let's talk about those presentations for a bit. All of these presentations have three things in common. The first thing is that they're all mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Ryan, would you like to get breakfast and present all day? Says Mm -hmm. nobody ever. (laughs) So that's number one. Number two, the presentations always changing and we never get to pick the topic it's never this oh ryan what are you passionate are you passionate about empathy hard work are you passionate about podcasting how about you do a presentation on that and we'll clap and cheer for you no 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 that's not at all how the education system works it's a a buddy and they don't even call you ryan hey buddy i need Mm -hmm. you to do a presentation on shakespeare and you're like shake who like milkshake or what's going on right so you have to do these random presentations that you don't get to pick and it's always changing and the third one that is the most important one right is that presentations in those settings 
are always tied to punishment. Mm. It's never, hey, everyone, Ryan's going to give this presentation on podcast. Let's all give him a hand and encourage him. No, no, no. It's, mm. hey, Ryan, you have this presentation to give on some random topic. You don't get to pick. And by the way, if you don't do a good job, that's half your mark. Just letting mm. you know it's half mm. your grade and you'll get an F in school. No big deal. And when you go to corporate, by the way, Ryan, if you don't do well in your presentation, don't worry about it. just that promotion you want it. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Yep. So no wonder we're scared of communication. It's not our fault. It's the way and how we learn that skill. Mm. That's why most of us are fearful of communication. So now with that in mind, how do you overcome it? A couple of easy things. So one is we need to reframe the negativity around communication because mm-hmm. we think of anxiety, stress. So here's a question that I'd love to ask you and the question, and all of you who are listening. The question is, how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? And that's the key. Mm. Yeah. And that's, and that's the trick. And, and, and to answer your question directly, that's the one thing I've been wrestling with for the last year and a half because I think all matters of the heart transcend the mind. And I think the job I have to, 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 to wrestle with is to put words to something that inherently is going to be subjective. And I have to try and put words to an experience and simplify that in a way that becomes understandable, which is my lifelong pursuit. <laughs> it's my lifelong mission. You and me help. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have a conversation with a, a CEO on Monday. He is uh, an, a leader of a, of a million pound company here in, in my local town. He's been invited to be a public speaker at an event. And let's just say that he's an introvert. What uh, confidence can I give him uh, about his introversion, being a public speaker? Great question. So I have a very different opinion on this than most people in the industry. Usually when we think of introverts, you just people just jump in and go, no, don't worry, you'll be fine. My best clients are introverts. Mm. I actually made a whole video on this where I talk about the three main advantages that introverts have to extroverts. So let's dispel that myth right there while we're at it. So number one, introverts are way better listeners than extroverts because if you're speaking less time on average, that necessarily implies that you're listening more times on average, which mm-hmm. means you're able to take information that somebody's giving you, let's say the information you're sharing, and absorb it in a way that allows you to take action mes- much faster than somebody like me, because I'm a hardcore expert. It's always talking, <laughs> talking, 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 talking all the time. Yeah. Number two, introverts are significantly better at mastering the most important technique in communication, which is pausing. Well, if you spend less time talking, so very easy for you to pause. So let's say I'm talking to an intro. I'm like, you have to pause. Like, I already knew that. Uh, like this? And I go, yeah. But I never understood why the introverts got it so quickly. And the reason was simply this, because I'm extrovert and I'm always talking. I'm always trying to fill up space. Let's say we're at a restaurant together and there's a space. I go, oh, well, Ryan, what about uh, the weather? <laughs> and uh, I, I'm always talking. This is something I still do to this day. It's just I'm a lot more mindful of it now in conversations than I used to be for sure. And the third one, this is something a lot of people know, is that introverts are a lot less polarizing as speakers. Mm. So in other words, what I'm saying is they're a lot more relatable. I'll give you an easy example. Let's say you compared Gary Vaynerchuk and (laughs) Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. Both of them are excellent, by the way. Huge respect for both speakers. But when we think of Gary V, once again, huge fan of his work, you either really love the guy or you really don't. (laughs) There's not really an in-between there. 
You either go, oh my God, Gary Vee is like the best. It was something I would say versus somebody who goes, I really don't like that guy. Mm. But when we think about Brene Brown, nobody hates Brene Brown. Nobody says, I hate Brene Brown. It just doesn't exist. It don't, it's almost offensive mm-hmm. when I say that. It's like, how could you say that about Brene Brown or Seth Godin, right? Or Simon Sinek. And that's the advantage of being an introvert is you're actually less polarizing and more relatable. So what I would say to your friend, mm. I would say, understand the strengths and triple down on them. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I really enjoy those three tips. Thank you. Of course. What role does energy play in, uh, in communication between human beings? Mm, that's probably the hardest question you've asked. <laughs> I would say, I've never been asked that before. I would say for me, energy is really important, but I would say more in the context mm. on relationship building mm. rather than actually speaking in a presentation. Let me explain why. It's true with presentations too. I'll explain that part. But the thing that I'm most excited to talk about is that, you know, that weird feeling that you don't really get when you meet someone, you feel like you already know them. That's probably the, for, for those of you who aren't fans of ooh, who are listening, uh, I would say that's probably the best example of how energy plays a role and how we show up in the world. So for example, when I met somebody, Heather, I met her in person a few years ago, Heather Parody. Yep. I was like, wow, she's like all over the place. She's like, boom, boom, boom. I was like, very similar energy to me. So there's a lot more alignment there. And that's where energy plays a role. So what I would encourage people to do from that facet is to follow your excitement, mm. double down on the people that you already feel that affinity towards mm. and ask them to introduce you to their people and mm. focus on them. Cause that's what makes you more alive, more energetic for any area of communication. You're like, wow, I just talked to Ryan. That was awesome. So then for the rest of the day, I'm going to show up better energetically versus if I'm absorbing somebody versus contributing, co-creating a space with somebody, it's a completely different way in how you live your life. For presentations, I would say something like this. I want everyone to think of the following scenario. Let's say you wake up in the morning and you look at a mirror, just a regular mirror in your bathroom. You're going to show up in two ways. Number one, you're going to sound something like this. Man, this day is amazing. I get to talk to Ryan today. He's got a nice beard. He's a good guy. (laughs) Then after I get to have dinner with my family, this day is incredible. And that energy gets projected on everyone else around you, your friends, your family, your colleagues, and most importantly, your audience. Mm -hmm. But the opposite is also true. Oh man, this day sucks. Why am I doing this podcast? It's right. Just threw me into it. Then after I got to do it, my family and that energy also gets projected onto your audiences, Mm. your friends, your family, your colleagues. So what's the punchline? The punchline is this, my friends. The mirror you look like, or you look at rather, isn't just an object. It is the very thing that you are. Because as speakers, we are mirrors. We reflect our own emotions, our own energy, our own vibration onto the people we speak to. So the only question that matters is this, which emotions are you going to choose? Mm. Are you going to choose boredom like most speakers, or are you going to choose excitement, reassurance, happiness? And that decision is entirely up to you. Yeah, love that. We just talked about questions, and um, you talked about the, the most difficult question I've asked you. You talked about the one. What's the one question you want to answer right now? Hmm. The one question I want to answer right now, that's a really hard question too. <laughs> hmm. Probably, I would say... Hmm. 
I, I love the question that you asked Claude in her interview, mm. which was, what is your hard work? I thought that was really fascinating. So, so I'd love to answer that one. I'd love to know your hard work. Of course. I, I would say for me, my hard work, the thing I'm the most excited about that got me, that gets me out of bed every day is I get to work on the most important skill that human beings need, but maybe can access. Mm. right? Because they might not have the financial resources. They might not have the means yet. They might not be in a season in their life where they're ready for that type of transformation. But every day I get to wake up knowing that the world is my customer. And what Mm. I mean by that, I don't mean that transactionally. I mean Mm. that in the sense that whether you're a five-year-old girl or whether you're a 60-year-old executive, every human being I cross paths with in my life will become a better communicator. Because even if I only had five minutes with them or two minutes, I would just ask a simple question. Let's say me and you only got to talk for two minutes. Luckily, I get, I get to have you for a lot longer than two. Let's say it was just two. I would just say, Ryan, how would the world change if you're an exceptional communicator? Mm-hmm. And you would probably say, no one's ever asked me that question before. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that. And just that spark, that's really what excites me. And the best part about the hard work is I'm just getting started. You know, I'm only 25. So there's a lot more hard work left to give. So super excited about that. Mate, I love that. That's so, uh, so, so powerful. I'm writing some notes down as we speak because I am a lifelong learner. And um, I, I just I just love the way that, you know, you're able to package ideas in, in ways because that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about people coming to this podcast. They've got half an hour of the day and there are some things that they can consume and go and implement because because you know, this isn't an intellect game. This isn't a let's acquire more knowledge game. It's a let's go try some more stuff. That guy, Brendan, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I'm going to try this thing that he talks about. And it's in the action that we become better than we were yesterday. It is in the action that we become a little bit of a better communicator than we were yesterday. And I just love to know what does the phrase always better than yesterday mean to you? Mm, that's powerful. And, and before we get to that, one thing I really want to touch on that you said that was absolutely epic is I made that mistake so many times, right? You know, even if, you know, it seems like I'm all well packaged now, that <laughs> definitely wasn't the case in episode one of what I did a podcast. And, yeah. and the difference between the two was understanding what my impact really was. I thought my whole life, Ryan, well, my whole life, my, the last six years I've been <laughs> yeah. doing this, that my goal was to teach people communication. I thought that was the goal. And it really ended up not being the case because I would teach people, here's all the frameworks, here's all the 17 different things you need to do with communication, yet nobody was taking action. And when I started sitting them down, I was like, why aren't you taking action? They always responded with, well, Brendan, you're a great speaker. And that's it. And I would go, but what about you? Like, you could be a great speaker too. They go, oh no, you like coach CEOs. You worked at all these big companies. I don't think I could do that. And that's when it hit me. Because when I was young, because I was really insecure, I would always gloat about my clients, my accomplishments, because I, I felt like I needed to say something mm-hmm. to feel like I belonged in the room until my friend came up to me one day and he said, you don't have to do any of that because the people who will buy into you, they'll make the decision to buy into you based on the expertise, the knowledge, mm-hmm. and how you share mm-hmm. it. So I transitioned from teaching communication to convincing you that you can do it in the first place. Because mm-hmm. if I can convince you that you can become an exceptional commuter, which is my intention every time I go into a, a podcast or any medium, then the game is won. Because mm-hmm. you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel. You'll watch videos. You'll go to Toastmasters. You'll spend time thinking about communication. But if I don't do that, if I don't convince you, 
then the outcome is not one. And I need to do a better job at convincing people. And that's the key. So going back to your question, what does always better than yesterday mean to me? I would say for me, it's to your point, right? Being a lifelong learner, but it's also understanding that there's only ever going to be one version of you. So because of that, it should fuel you because there's a unique potential, a gift that you can cultivate and serve other people with that only you can create. So for me, always better than yesterday just means making milliliter, millimeter, millimeter decisions Mm -hmm. every day to cultivate that gift better for other people. And uh, just to make space for for the, the way that you approach the world. What does it mean to be a top 1% communicator? For me, being a top 1% communicator means a few things. But if I were to summarize in three key areas, it's number one is direction. Most people, we have goals, right? We got career goals, we got financial goals, business goals, health goals. But how many of us have communication goals? Hmm. Almost nobody, right? So have the direction. And the quick point on that is just pick three speakers that you really admire and study them in more detail. Have that direction, that clarity of the type of communicator you want to be. Direction is number one. Number two is technique. Are you mastering your filler words, getting rid of them? Are you getting your vocal tone right? your pacing, the way you speak? Analyze your speeches. Look at the techniques specifically of the people you admire, whether it's Tony Robbins, Bernie Brown, put anyone there and ask yourself, what can I do to emulate their technique? Technique's the easiest thing to master. So direction, technique, And the third piece to being a top 1% communicator is contribution, Mm. right? How do you contribute your gift once you figure it out, you figure out what it is, how do you teach it to other people? How can you be a teacher? Even if you don't want to be one, let's say you want to be an executive, everyone's still a teacher in their own way, whether it's directly or indirectly. So then the other piece is figuring out how to package your expertise and communicate it to a wide group of people, whether it's feedback that you're delivering for people one-on-one in a, in this closed setting, or whether it's as a keynote speaker, delivering a message to 10,000 people who need to hear it. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Great, great tips, great advice, great frameworks. Really, really grateful. Where can people uh, find out more about you, your content? Uh, should they be ready to hear more? Absolutely. So definitely the YouTube channel is probably the best place to start. That's master talk in one word and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. That's just my name. You can DM me directly. I respond to everything. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. We'd be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self. Yeah. Final thought for those of you who have made it all the way to the end of this podcast, you're probably somebody who, uh, who actually wants to do something amazing. So the only advice that matters besides a book recommendation, I'll throw out there named Scott Thirst by Scott Harrison. I encourage all of you to check out the book. It's incredible. But the life advice I'll leave you all with is this, be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you want to do something epic with your life, amazing. I found from personal experience that the only way to achieve that is to be a little bit crazy. Don't you find it odd that a 22-year-old kid started a YouTube channel, not on pranks, or music, or, you know, skits, he started an executive communication tips. And then he went on to coach those executives, yet he still lives in his mother's basement. <laughs> he doesn't really own a car and is actually too scared to drive it. He karaoke is in eight different languages and speaks three and dances alone in that basement an hour a day. So how does that make any sense? 
And that is the point when every decision in your life makes sense to the only person it should, which is you, you're probably making the right decisions. Cool. Loved it, Brendan. So glad we got to connect, my friend. Thank you so much. Likewise, brother. There we go. Episode 152 with Brendan Kamurasami. How good was that random word exercise? Cool. That was just such a pleasure to be able to listen to Brendan do what he does best in that moment. And I think, you know, the heart of it is it, it comes down to having a passion for something, but also the the time in, time served, the practice, because that is how we get better. You'll know if you've been around this community from day one, we talk about practice makes progress. And it's going to be very easy to meet Brendan now, the, the polished article, the way he's able to articulate his ideas. But that, my friends, as you have heard, has taken some practice. So what is possible if you got your head down and spent the next year, two years, just practicing your craft, showing up, having fun, doing your best and leaving space for the miracles. My friends, thank you for making it to the end of the podcast. I look forward to sharing space and time with you again very soon. Always love.